0: So, so it's always a fraught relationship with International Women's Day, but we are Romani women, we are feminists, and we do have this long history behind us that has supported us through this.
1: It kind of feels like sometimes there's this, this disconnect where people believe the possibilities for feminism within Romani communities can't exist because we're living in a patriarchal community. But isn't the whole world living in a patriarchal society, but yet still there is the possibility? Absolutely.
2: And I think if we're going to have self-care, it comes from creating solidarity amongst each other. You are now listening to
1: Smith's Kushti podcast, bringing you current news and views from Germany and across Europe. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify and
2: Google Podcasts. Oppression didn't end in 1945 alongside the gallows of eugenics echoing European corridors. It lives on with Becky down the street or Dave up the road, simply feeling uncomfortable at the thought of occupying the same space as the dreaded pikeys. It's a gorger on Tinder, lamenting how exotic it would be to taste the fruit of tarmac and tambourines. Because that would surely show how rebellious Chad could be to middle-class parents sipping Chardonnay on weekends. I will not be your Esmeralda for unfortunately your tarot cards read the oppressor and not lover. I implore to the Lord Almighty to show our reflection in both the waters that provide the essence of existence and on the screens which provide us empowerment of the day, because capitalizing on our romanticism as folklore is but another addition to not seeing me as a person, but as distant from it as Peter Pan providing nothing but a fantasy experience, a token of accordions and velvet tracksuits to satisfy the assumptions of Wendy Darling's, only to disappear at the vengeance of a real Captain Hook in the absence of fairy dust. My sanctuary is flocking to the bosom of the divine, because as a famous song once said, I thought we all were the children of God, and Lord have I given you my genesis, only to find my cries as soft as a psalm against the wave of voices as jagged as the fences that caged us to our fates. I'm sorry, but you can't silence this undesirable with gas or weaponry. I open my eyes and blow out my phone. I look down at my incense. I unlock it. July 2018, Serbia. Parents call for segregation from Roma children in schools. 24th of July 2018. A one-year-old Roma baby is shot in the back of the head with a compressed air weapon. 21st of July 2018, Slovakia. A Roma man is beaten into a coma. Whilst his attackers scream, we will kill you gypsy scum. O oh, pray Roma, God bless us all.
1: Welcome, Lacho Divis, or as we British Romani travellers would say, Cushti Divis. You're now listening to Smith's Cushti Podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Smith. In this series, we're connecting Romani history, politics, and identity with current news and issues in Germany and across Europe. In this episode, I'm very honoured to have a powerhouse of female guests today, Ethel Brooks, Sabina Salamowska, Lois Brooks-Jones and Ryan Knight, to talk about women's rights, the possibilities of feminism, the things that we as Romani women have to celebrate, and how through their own practice they are generating change, not only within their own lives and communities, but also more broadly in their professional fields. So our first guest that we have is Sabina Salimovska, a teacher, university lecturer, school mediator and certified intercultural youth worker. She enjoys working with children and youth, empowering them as well as learning from them. For 20 years she has been committed to the right to education of Roma children and youth, intercultural communication, diversity, multilingualism and women's rights. She received her education, professional development and work experience in Europe, the USA, the Middle East and Asia. A warm welcome Sabina. Thank you very much, I'm very happy to be here. Our second guest is Romani activist Lois Brooks-Jones who is currently volunteering between the UK and Hungary. She is also co-founder of the Diclo Collective which provides free cultural packages to Romani and traveller people globally and is co-founder of the Traveller Pride organisation which is an LGBT Romany and Traveller campaign support group who brought their first representation to London Pride in 2019 welcome lois
2: all right
1: <laughs> <laughs> our next guest is Ryan Knight a singer songwriter and actress currently based in Berlin At the age of 11, she joined her first band, going on a European tour in her early teens. She made her first breakthrough music appearance in 2017, while a resident artist at the London Roundhouse. Following these early successes, Raya continued to write music, while also working with other artists, Just Jack, on two of his albums. While just finding her feet in the UK music world, at the age of 20, she relocated her life to Berlin, to work on a groundbreaking theatre project exploring the politics of Romani identity in Europe. This was called the Roma Army. It was included in European Theatre Prize 2017, rated number one and recommended by Vogue, and sold out in its first year. Following this, she has worked with grassroots organisation Roma Trial to co-found the project Romina Jazz, which aims to highlight the profiles of Roma and Sinti women making music in Berlin. And was invited to become an associate member of the European Roma Institute for Arts and Culture, co-hosting the Taja Roma Cultural Heritage Prize. In between rehearsals and tours in Europe, Raya recorded and released collaborations with several hip-hop and jazz artists in Berlin and back in the UK before finding time to work on a solo release, Night in New Coin, with a Berlin-based Get Together collective. The first release of Raya's personal work is a collection of original love songs and an intimate reflection of a time in the city. I'm very pleased to say that Raya will be performing a piece of her music later on as well. Welcome, Raya. Hi, thanks for having me. And last but not least, our final guest is Dr Ethel Brooks, Chair and Acting Graduate Director of the Department of Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies at Rutgers University, an Associate Professor of Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies and Sociology at Rutgers, where she has taught since 2000. Since 2012, she has been a Tate-trained Transnational Fellow at the University of the Arts, London. She was appointed under President Obama to the United States Holocaust Memorial Council, where she served from 2015 to 2020. She is also the author of Unraveling the Garment Industry, Transnational Organization, Organizing and Women's Work, winner of the 2010 Outstanding Book. Brooks is the editor of the 2012 Comparative Symposium on Romani Feminism. Her current book project focuses on histories of encampment, claim stalking and Romani futures. Welcome, welcome Ethel, good to have you. <laughs> So I can say a powerhouse of women here tonight. (laughs) So A warm welcome as well to all of our listeners tuning in at home. It's officially spring here in Berlin and the weather's starting to warm up, which is making me feel a lot more positive, I've got to say. And today is International Women's Day. And uh, being here, I was actually surprised to find out that it's a public holiday Yes. indeed. That's amazing. (laughs) Good. Yeah. This day presents an opportunity to reflect on the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women and encourages women that no hurdles should stop them from accomplishing their dream. But in the cases of some women, especially women from minority groups, this hurdle can feel bigger and heavier to overcome. I wanted to just share some information with our listeners who might not know uh, a lot about the situation of Romani women in Europe. We are behind statistically in most key areas of life, such as employment, education level and health in comparison to non-Romani women, but also in comparison to remote Romani men. Not only do we have to face existing Roma and non-Roma patriarchy but we also have to deal with deep-seated anti-gypsyism. But this podcast is not here to tell a story of victimisation, but rather we're here to celebrate and reflect on empowerment and resilience, and that despite the barriers that Romani women face on a global level, how we have such a vast potential for really generating change within our own communities and in society broader. So with that in mind, do you view your daily work as an act of resistance and it's the work that you do somehow inspired by your personal experiences
2: yeah I mean because I mean I spend all day sewing ribbons for parcels like that's how I spend all of my day like (laughs) that's what I'm doing so I sometimes feel like it's an act of resistance because it's putting something together for mutual aid it's saying like you know right, if you want something, you can have it for free. And there you go. You have it. That's yours. No one can take it from you. And I feel like that's an act of resistance in itself because we live in such a a capitalist society that puts so much, um, you know, so much kind of importance on, like, productivity to earn money or accumulate assets. And I think that when you start taking away, like, what you have to do to be productive, to be part of the hustle culture... I think that you then kind of step away from that and it's, okay, well, I'm doing this for other people. I know, I know their name. I know their face. I know who they are. I know they're going to enjoy it. They've picked the colour. They've picked something. So I think we have this mentality of beggars can't be choosers. And I think that's a really horrible mentality to navigate the world with. Even if you can get some for free, you can make it customizable, make it fun, a bit interesting, and not kind of be like, well, that's your lot, there you go. I think when you start doing something with other people in mind, with community in mind, that's an act of resistance in itself because you're rejecting capitalism in the ways that we can as individuals, even if it's in small ways. So, yeah, that's what I'd very well put, Lois. Yeah, (laughs) thanks.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I do think the work that I'm doing it's indeed uh, it's also one it shows resistance because and um, I work as a school mediator as you already introduced, thank you, um, in schools in Berlin and mostly of course with Roma children and Roma families um, uh, a, in the way that um, and that I support them. To, to actually be able at all to access uh, education, it's one kind of resistance, definitely, because uh, in a way, um, I, I take, take it always uh, from my point of view and my own experience in life, that uh, I had to fight all the time in order to be where I am, and it's only it's only still not enough, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. So in that way, I I'm really happy. It's very difficult job, but I'm really really happy that I fight for this right of the children to have, a, first of all, the access to education and to show, even though I'm Roma, even though I'm a Cinti child, I still have to see it. In this school, uh, they bank as well, because I have this is my right. this is my children's right. And um, as, um, as you also mentioned in the, that in, in the introductions, I, I, I worked in Macedonia and a few other countries, and I'm, I'm really, really sad to say that um, everywhere is mostly the same. Everywhere we have to fight, everywhere we have to fight for our rights. So I, I think also on a personal level, but also the work that I'm doing, helping and, and supporting others, um, we do in a way achieve a level where we have to be. And this is our right in the um, society um, because we fight for it. Uh, I do see it as an act of resistance because uh, I feel if it would be accepted as it is, it is my right. You don't have to give it to me. I don't have to buy it from you. It is my right. I, I should enjoy it, but I don't. That's why it is an act of, of resistance. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I I also think, um, uh, on the other hand, um, as well... By doing that, um, I see also the, um, the very, very important point that um, in a way, not only me, but also the families and the children themselves educate as well, the teachers and the school mm-hmm. staff as well, what it means to, to have the same rights, but to be able also to enjoy them. Uh, So more than ever are the children and the youth actually um, showing the resistance uh, and very well, (laughs) I can say. Yeah.
0: I think that's true. I mean, just thinking about this idea of fighting, you know, and the fact that, to be honest, I mean, we look at the centuries of kind of genocide and, and everything that we've been subjected to. We were never supposed to be here. So even I'm I'm sorry, but even waking up in the morning is an act of resistance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and I think when, when we think about it that way, and then I think about the kind of work that I do. Like I said, waking up in the morning, being with my family, you know, raising my kids on the one hand, and that's 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 an act of resistance. And then thinking about kind of what it means to write, to produce knowledge, to produce knowledge that's deeply like it's coming from us right as Romani women it's coming from my mom and my grandmother and my cousins and my aunts right and that kind of knowledge even you know even as part of a kind of within a mainstream academic context for me is is so important and and it is something that that is about pushing back and is about fighting and is about staking in the claim and showing the value of who we are um, and I think about it when I teach my students um, you know and 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 thinking about kind of how it is that teaching that learning that reading that producing knowledge for all of us and you know and the things that I do every day are acts of resistance and you know my mother and my aunt and my uncle right sort of that generation They were thrown out of schools for being Roma, you know, my, my, for being Romani. My mom went, I think, to, you know, to sixth or seventh year of school and wasn't allowed to go back because the authorities in the school said, oh, no, 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 we don't take gypsies. And, and that's in the US, right? So we think about this across the way. And then, you know, me going through school and the ways in which my mother always pushed me and, you know, we would go to the library a couple of times a week and then the kids and the kids would sort of remember, Oh, right. But you're, you're, you're one of those people. Right. And the, and the ways in which I was also bullied in school. And I think about kind of then what it means to come to this moment and to be able to speak back and to speak, to seek my truth as a Romani woman, as a feminist. And, you know, as, as, as someone who wants to change the world. So, no, that's all kind of, all of that work, the, the, everything from waking up in the morning, raising my children, t- teaching my students, writing books, and speaking out in ways. Those are all acts of resistance. Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks, Ethel. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it can feel like the biggest challenge is just to be yourself sometimes as a Romani woman and declare that proudly yeah. and to say, I'm a Romani woman, I'm here, I've been here, and I'm not going anywhere. I think and I I love Sabina what you said about uh, both of you actually about the acts of resistance is as simple as waking up in the morning you know and and through the work that we do so thank you. Um, Raya did you have anything to add to that before we move on?
4: Uh, Yeah I guess I was reflecting on it um, in the work and like the that I make uh, like music and theatre stuff that I do and and I I was thinking like the, the songs that I write are very much inspired by my experience of the world as a woman, as, as a young woman. And they're not always autobiographical, but they're definitely rooted very strongly in my experience. And so I think the work that I make comes like inherently from the female gaze and often therefore contains like strong female archetypes, which... Uh, for me is a really important thing to have in music and in like mainstream music representation um, and also like in general that the pursuit of making creative work within a capitalist culture as was reflected on earlier like for me that's almost like an act of anarchy like yeah. <laughs> it's com- it's inherently anti-capitalistic because the amount of yourself and the amount of energy that you for example i would put into one song that would be bought on itunes for 99p it can never there's never going to be an exchange um which can remunerate that sort of input and it's so to like to decide to be creative really is sort of an act of love and an act of passion and something to be like okay i'm never gonna like get rich doing this unless you're like you know um it's it's uh, yeah for me that's a real act of resistance against the kind of a capitalist consumerist culture that says there's a hundred people like you and so why would you like when i first started out as a young young teenager like talking to record labels they sound and they were like why do you want to do this like the music industry is horrible and like if you're a young woman like it's gonna be really it's gonna be really bad <laughs> and but for for me, it was always like well there's there's no other choice like I have to do this, this is what I have to do, so you know bring it but that, so that's always like a sort of a thing that I'm sometimes lament my decision <laughs> no no, I'm joking but um and yeah, also like the the daily resistances that you that you face, I think as well uh, as being uh, for me being like a dual heritage British Romany woman and the sort of the uh, of stereotypes and the assumptions that i come up against when talking about my culture and my heritage um always like deciding that i'm i made the decision that i will always have that conversation with someone like if i say oh i'm dual heritage british romany and people go huh um what i don't then i decide to have the conversation and for me that's really important to keep that dialogue um because sometimes it can feel i've had conversations before with like you know activists that are a lot older than me have been doing this for a really long time and it's like i can't explain it anymore i can't talk about it anymore and i totally understand and i empathise. i mean you you, you uh, women on here must also have something to say about that but then i feel like if uh if i say i'm not going to talk to you about it then i'm ending the conversation and i just want to start a conversation about it really i want to keep it
1: yeah. going Thank you. <laughs> that brings me on to the next question really something that i've been thinking about And um, you really touched upon it in that as women, it can sometimes be exhausting as Romani women to be constantly justifying and educating people on who we are, what our history is, what our culture is. And I think there's not many opportunities for us to come together and reflect internally um, together and think of with all of this in mind, how can we how can we reflect better on how to take care of ourselves? Like what's self-care for us and how can we engage in forms of self-care while still maintaining this heavy level of burden in a sense of educating and uh, all the things you've just spoken about, I suppose. I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like it should be a discussion we should be having about looking after ourselves too.
2: (laughs) I think continuous spaces like this to validate our you know lives because it wasn't until I started having these conversations with people I knew um what I was like it was a consistent thing um because I always thought some of the things that I was going through were just unique to me and it can make you very much reflect on the internal and think that you're the problem and then you end up vacating the space so like for example I feel like there's a lot of animosity towards a lot more animosity towards women Romani activists or Romani travel or traveller activists in our field. I think it, it's always directed towards women and it never ends up coming back on men ever. And I think that's something you're continuously engaging with because it's always us having to navigate a toxic space and having to navigate the trauma that comes from those spaces and then you end up leaving whilst the men stay and continue to flourish and grow and build their foundations of power that they've always had. Um, and you're just kind of a revolving door of different women that, where people can't even tell the difference, to be honest with you. Like, you know, you go into spaces and they're like, oh, you're, uh, you know, <laughs> like I've been called different <laughs> Romani women activist names on like a regular basis because people can't wow. be bothered to tell the difference <laughs> <Me> between <too. laughs> women speaking.
4: Oh, really? I know.
2: Yeah. Like I've been called different people's oh, names God. and it's like, and I think that's an issue as well. And I also think self-care has to come back to going back to your roots. Like you have to realize that as much as we get invalidated by for one gorgeous, they love to turn around and tell you that you're not Roman enough. The moment you start talking about your rights, you know, it never stops you from experiencing anti-Gypsyism, but they'll forever be the one to say, oh, well, do you live in a trailer? No, well, invalid. You're not like the people I see on telly, you know, running around being a parody act, which is like, you know, and it's like you're constantly dealing with that. Then you go into Romani spaces and you're suddenly made to not feel enough because other women in our circles, especially older activists, feel very threatened by the presence of younger Romani women in the space because it's felt like that there's only a certain amount of seats at a table that we can occupy, it almost becomes a survival of the fittest situation. Um, that's
4: interesting can, though, isn't it? Like That's often a discussion, I think, which is had within the um, activists and the, the, people, the, the activist movement within the Romani world, where it's like, is there enough room for everyone? And is that actually a symptom of us being such an excluded society for so long that now we feel like there isn't enough space so that when we have it, people hold on to it?
2: Honestly, look, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And it's like, you kind of sit yeah. there and you're like, when, what's going to happen now? And it's very hurtful. It's very hurtful. And I think if we're going to have self-care, it comes from creating solidarity amongst each other, celebrating each other's successes genuinely, not seeing it as a threat to our own if someone else in our community succeeds, making sure that we're also working together to call men out when yeah. in our community and outside of it. We we're just being very sexist because as Romani women, we can only occupy two spaces: either we're aggressive, ugly, and difficult to handle, or we're sexualized and exotic. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like you're constantly trying to navigate that. Um, you know, and I think we have to be able to call people out on that and also own our history. Like people try and dictate to us all the time what Romani women are mm-hmm. and what are society has been like how we've built up our history and the thing is is that it comes from a white academic perspective where they've come into communities exploited history taken photos and then left Mm -hmm. and then they've got an honorarium and probably a library named after them for it so you know if we're gonna we have to deconstruct those things Mm -hmm. and take it back take our narrative back from you know old pale and stale white men who have kind of come in and decided and things? That's
4: brilliant. I know pale
2: and stale, pale, male and stale. Pale, wow, male and stale. you really
4: are a poet. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Reconst- deconstructing that with not just within, and sometimes it feels like there's a huge battle outside. And then when you actually get the opportunity to reflect on the internal battle as well, it feels like that's another heavy weight. But I think you're absolutely right. It's like engaging in spaces where we can just have honest conversations about it and what's taking mm-hmm. place is is surely gotta be the way forward to acknowledge it.
3: May continue. Um, I feel it's also very important. Well, it's for me. Um I, I don't know about other women, right? But um it is very, very important, I think, to to really um do As a Roman woman, especially that what I think it's all right to do, not what other wants me to do and what other are expecting me to do. Because this is happening very often. And um, I, I sometimes I'm reflecting, OK, why I'm doing this, what I'm doing or this work or I don't know, uh, this training or why I'm here or why I'm there. And very often I found myself many years doing that, what people have been expecting yes. me to do. They offer. Would you do this? Would you do that? Would you offer this training? Would you do this? Would you do that? But there are very, very, really, really, very few things that I chose myself. Like that. What you read in the tr- introduction. That those are the things that I chose myself to to be a teacher to to teach uh, children' rights in the mm-hmm. school or in the university. Also to th- teach about <laughs> Roma. Um, people and education and so on and so forth. Uh, fight for women's rights. Those are all my own choices. I never. I didn't list yeah. anything that I. I was asked from someone else to do, and I found out that when I do that, what I really want when I choose what I want and I do it, I feel so good. As tonight, <laughs> I feel so good by doing this. What I'm doing right now with all of you, because. Um, It is, for me, it is a really safer space. Uh, It is maybe a bit different from that what Lolo said, which I completely support and I agree with you. But on the other hand, I also see, for example, at work, uh, when I am with people, uh, that I call them my people, (laughs) Roma women who, who share some safe space, let's say, I can be myself and I feel really self-cared there. I feel that is the self-care for me. By doing the job, by not being uh, full of fear, uh, I'm gonna be um, not rejected, because this is part of life, but uh, criticized uh, on the um, uh, top-down way, showing me the supremacy and the hierarchy, uh, and posing me uh, at the end being small small and smaller and mm-hmm. being not able to to say your opinion this is actually the society the whole, the society where i grew up where i am now it's always like that that's why actually maybe that's why i have chosen to to work especially on this um, the children rights and especially to work on on the rights to to be able to express themselves. This is the right. And um, I, I, I don't think um, uh, in a space where we are, where we are all the time told what to do, or we are asked to do that because somebody else thinks are good for this topic, but not for the other topic. It is still for me, somebody else is telling me how should I leave mm-hmm. <laughs> or what, what I can do but what I can't so when I choose I know that I can do it and I know that I feel good and that this is for me a way of self-care
1: yeah it's, been, it's being true to yeah. ourselves and following the path that feels okay. right to us
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Raya or do you want to come in on that
0: Raya you want to go first <laughs> <laughs> no please <laughs> please talk <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting like I just thinking about kind of Lois and Sabina and the points that you're making and I think it's it, this space that was my first thought was being with the four of you and seeing you that's that self-care. And then I think about kind of also so, so that's you know Lois's point it's it's so important. It's so important to exchange and to be with Romani women and to give each other love and to give ourselves love within these spaces. And and Sabina, that the, the, the point you made about also choosing for yourself, and I think it's the same thing. And I always, I think about all the years that it was, I think, a question of survival to try to yeah. please people around you. You know, and, and it could be wherever you are, not wanting to kind of, and if you, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. Okay, I'll do this, I'll do that and that kind of the, the ways in which we we've, we've been i think asked to to be hyper productive to be kind of super responsive right i mean and it has to do with this kind of ways in which it's a gendered racialized precarity that's produced you know by the Gajas, by 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 gaje right but but there's also i think so so in order to do that you have to please them. so the idea of pleasing yourself and also loving yourself yeah um and in a very deep way and I think about it in all sorts of ways you know even with everything that we eat you know going for a walk seeing other people that every all of those in some ways are are acts of love Mm -hmm. and we have to remember them as acts of love for ourselves and of course we could talk about things like you know listening to music and like I said walking last night and listening to to Raya's music and you know that was also for me a moment of self-love and self-care. And, and, and always to remember Audre Lorde's point about self-care being a radical act, because it is for us. Um, and, I, and, I, and again, just so I am, you know, getting older. And I've also been thinking about the ways in which our communities, you know, the, the, the life expectancy is never the same life expectancy is for everyone else. And so as I grow older, I've also, I was thinking about how it is that sometimes I push myself and push myself and push myself and, you know, it affects my, my weight and my blood pressure and, you know, and all of these things and how I don't always have a role model for what it means to think about preserving myself or, you know, to caring for myself into old age. Mm-hmm. and that's a radical act just to get back to the radical point but but that's where i think self-care has to come in where we where we have to dare to continue and we have to dare to see ourselves as precious because society hasn't taught us that even though our family i mean our families you know i feel like all that love and all that care i've gotten from my family but out the, you know, the society at large has never taught us that. So that's where self-care comes in, mm-hmm. is really seeing how precious we are and how valuable we are and treating ourselves like we're precious and we're valuable.
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ethel. I totally feel heartfelt. In fact, I feel emotions in the pit of my stomach when you talk about that. And when we talk about low life expectancy, it's such a massive, real issue facing Romani so people across the world and in my family, we felt the effects of that really deeply. Um, you know, quite a few three of my uncles died under the age of 50. My mum passed away at just 44. And um, it's really, it's a structural issue, a real structural issue. But when we talk about self-care as a form of be, as, as being radical, as a form of radical self-care, um, I really feel that because I feel growing up that I experienced such support and care from other Romani women in my family. But there was always this lack of self-care and self-love. And I think as young people, we internalise that and we learn how to look after ourselves by how we see the other women in our lives, the older women look after themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel sometimes I internalise that to forget, to do the basic things, really focused Mm -hmm. on levels of high productivity, doing jobs here and there. But then you forget self-care, Drink lots of water, Lisa. Make sure you go for a walk. Try and eat yes. vegetables because there is just so much other stuff work-wise going on. So I really, really do echo you know what you're saying there. I really feel it so much.
0: <laughs> no, and really, I'm sending you all all the love, Lisa. And I, I know. I mean, my mother also had her first heart attack when I was six months old, and you know that whole that I don't know just just thinking about kind of how it is that as Romani women we're taught to take care of everyone around us. Totally. And then we have to really think about what it means to kind of preserve ourselves and love ourselves and care for ourselves.
1: I think that that is what it is, you know, is is that um, that responsibility from a young age to be really vigilant and taking care of the people around us that you actually you forget how to look after yourself, or, or where does that start and where does that stop? I suppose, in my experience, you know, growing up, I guess. Um, but yeah, Deroy, would you like to add anything to that before we move on?
4: Um, well, just following on from your last point, like I can definitely see that uh, that sort of act of caring for everyone around you in in how my mom is. And she's like a very mm-hmm. natural healer, and uh she's one of these people that has got the ability to like people sort of come to her sometimes for the support and help, but then it's always the 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 root point of like the people that do the caring and the loving in the community and this like you know fulfill this mother role, who is the one that's looking up for them mm-hmm. um and that's not just talking about my mom now, but like in general about women in society like they if we are always in this position of the sort of we're either the mother archetype or we're not um who <laughs> <laughs> like who's who's looking after us um yeah yeah, yeah. I-, I don't know also like it's on a different picking up on what you said earlier Ethel about Audrey Lord. Um, me and Lisa actually were literally just talking about her writing like the other day um so that's amazing that she's yeah she's just so inspiring but she she really um affected me with the the writing that she did in the the essay the erotic as power it's like changed my whole life I think that that essay but um I first read it like whilst doing this work on a on a show actually at Gorky which was about like making a post me too world and how can we have like a feminized working environment that is governed by consent and cooperation rather than fear and power and domination and the the rehearsal process was really like transformative for me and how I thought about sexual politics and I started to really see a very clear intersection between like female sexual oppression and the persecution of Roma women and how all of these forms of control in society use similar methods to undermine like a source of power within within the what the, the the group yeah. that they're trying to oppress and control mm-hmm. and it, it was that thing that audrey lord said where she said um you know once you're fulfilled and you're satisfied and you you've experienced uh, like that sort of deep erotic fulfillment, erotic, not as in a sexual eroticism, although it can also be. Um, you demand more from the world and or at least you accept less. And you will like not settle for like you know <laughs> I'm explaining this terribly badly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I just know that just completely changed mm-hmm. my whole world. Like even in in in, in in a romantic relationship, for example, not even applying it to like structural oppression, it's so simple. If it's like, okay, I know what it feels like to be valued and to be um listened to and to be respected, and I won't, I can't lie in a bed that doesn't give me that, you know? And that, if you apply that broader to, to society, I think that that really creates like a, an, a resistance where it's like, no, I, I won't take less. Um, yeah. yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah and also I guess how the Romani women's movement maybe I know for me um when I was doing my degree at uni being in like the top floor of a basement library for seven hours straight each day for five days a week when I was doing my master's and coming across for the first time the texts of um bell hooks and thinking for the first Mm -hmm. time Uh, for the first time, drawing parallels between the experience of Romani women and the experience of Black women, and how empowering that was to see how similar those power structures and how we experience them Mm -hmm. and the spaces that we take in them were so similar. Um, And Athol, I wanted to ask you, because you've written extensively about it, how how do you feel we've taken inspiration from um, Black female scholars who've, who've written about women's empowerment? in the black female context, and how do you feel um, it can be applied to the Romani woman situation as well, I guess is my question in a very long-winded way.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Lisa. I think, um, well, you know, I, I have written about this, and I've also, you know, it's one of the things that I re- I, I've really thought a lot about kind of growing up, you know, and um, how it is that also, you know, we use the word "Kali" for ourselves, and we use and and in the U.S., right? So you know, "Kali Rod," like the whole kind of ways in which, right, the the notion of blackness and our our you know our sort of the and Kali, right? I mean, the whole ways in which our language and all of its its um, its manifestations, you know, we we've, we've always referred to ourselves as black, and that's and it's always been a way of seeing ourselves within. A Gajakani kind of world, right? So, so that's one thing, I think. And then, you know, for me growing up in the US, there would be, you, you, you know, we'd also think about African Americans, you know, like our neighbors, or, you know, as also Kale, like, and sort of thinking about that, just even that relationship around blackness. And around kind of, and then, and then if we kind of go into those other histories, right, of, of slavery, of genocide, of um, extraction of wealth, of denial of land, like all of those are parallel experiences. And then the other side of that is, of course, like coming across Bell Hooks's work, uh, coming across Audre Lorde's work. And for me, remembering my first year at uni, like moving between looking at Black feminist work on the one hand and, you know, going to the library and thinking, oh my goodness, look at the riches here. But then on the other side, when I went to the section about, you know, Romani history, it was all written by Godges. It was all written by, you know, white gypsyologists, right? So, So thinking about where I'm going to find inspiration, it was always with, you know, Women of color feminism, Black women's feminism, Latinx feminism, and then, and then on the end, and also thinking kind of the ty- kinds of community. You know, for for me being in university and not seeing other Romani people in the university, and so my natural community and the people who sort of held me and supported me were also. Black and Latinx and Asian American kids who were first-generation university students who didn't have the kinds of assumptions about, you know, belonging that I think the, the larger community did. So those, so it's both the kind of the intimacy of those connections for me has always been really palpable, and then the reading of kind of Black feminist work, the Combahee the River Collective, and, and, you know, Audre Lord, and kind of thinking about what that meant for for thinking about ways of coming together, you know, and, and holding each other was also, and for ways of thinking about manifestos, all of that comes together in in how how important that is as a framing for us, I guess. Now we have your manifesto, Ethel, which you wrote, which is amazing. Yeah,
5: yeah.
4: yeah. thanks, so Raya. Brilliant. It gives me goosebumps.
3: Yeah. Thank
4: you.
1: I actually came across your work out um, a little bit later, Ethel, when I was researching on Um, Romani women and Romani studies in general and I have to say how how empowering it was to see another Romani woman as an academic writing so writing about these issues was just really amazing and I feel like there is a strong um, Romani women's movement that's that is that does exist and that has emerged with with just such strength you know with such strength and now it isn't necessarily when we go into the library i would hope now that that it's that it's bigger and there are more books written by people from our community than ever before i would say
0: yeah mm. and that's amazing i mean again like we see the ways in which we have such a space now that's very small but burgeoning and of, of kind of a space to speak and and also feeling the strength that we can kind of talk back and make our own voices heard
1: the next question i wanted to quickly ask you guys was it's international women's day and what do you feel this represents or means for Romani woman because one of the challenges that i've seen throughout the last few years is uh, particularly in the english context is sometimes the the lack of anno- acknowledgement Of existence or inclusion of of the challenges that Romani women present and Romani women's rights and I wanted to ask what you guys feel are the possibilities for bringing Romani women's rights and issues into the wider conversation or more of a mainstream conversation around feminism?
2: I I think like for me it starts with deconstructing what I think a lot of other people interpret as um, Romie, like well, not Romy win, but international women's deal or women's rights. It kind of comes with this girl boss corporate feminism undertone, where it can only be like one white woman at the top, and it has to then step on top of other like minority women underneath. Like you know, like I think it's ridiculous sometimes that people don't, like fail to incorporate kind of ethnic identity and class into like women's issues and women's rights. You know, no one will ever write about how my mom and nan were, you know, saying things I think were very intrinsically feminist within their lives and within their homes as working class Romany women. But then if uh, if a white woman with blonde hair and is the CEO says it, she gets, I don't know, a place speaking at a meeting and a book wrote about her, you know, very basic things get said By rich white women, and they're just praised for it like no other. And I think part of what we have to do is we have to decolonize International Women's Day and the women's rights movement. And I think something else that we have to do is if we're going to celebrate women, we have to also understand that spaces need to adapt to ethnic communities, being a part of them. Because, like I went to a Roma women's conference in Finland and there was very traditional Finnish Kali women present that have very specific vows that they take in terms of, like, wearing their traditional clothes and taking on certain things that they decide. And in front of everybody, this, like, gorgeous woman gets up, does a whole piece about, um, about us for some reason, and shows just a picture of, like, a topless woman. And some Finnish women, they left the room and... The whole thing was, oh, how dare these like traditional Finnish Cali women leave the space? You know, there's nothing wrong with women's bodies, and there had to be a moment where these women came back into the space. I'm like, no, we do not have a problem with women showing their bodies or whatever. We have no problem with Romani women or women in general showing parts of themselves, but we have made a historical and very traditional kind of choice from this age where we have to keep to this and like it's important to us. And you never gave us a trigger warning so that we could respectfully leave and then come back in a few minutes later. That was all that the problem was. But the demonization of Romani women and like how we navigate our lives and how we bring our culture and nuances and softness, as I like to call it, into our kind of politics is completely disregarded as um, like... I don't know, like, anti-women. And I think that's something that needs to come into it as well because it's very frustrating all the time. Like, it's something that I've said to you, to, like, you, Lisa, yourself, and and Ryan, is that, like, when Romani women first came to England, for example, the reason of this, like, exotified Romani woman thing comes from is because that society had never seen women before who wore clothes which were not restrictive and were very comfortable to wear and were bold women who have their own jobs with like you know flower selling um making things having their own work having communal raising of children in the communities and also the very like starting foundations of a welfare state um, in terms of like sharing wealth and communal kind of aspects there's actually a really good book um called gypsy economies which is really interesting in looking at the economical structures of Romany society and its links to things like socialism and egalitarian societies way before white society had caught on to that. But yet we're the ones that are told that we're anti-women. When it's like, no, you just have the privilege of whiteness, class, and in some cases gender. In terms of men, in terms of being able to sign off as the footnote of society is yours because your people have wrote down society. We've had to navigate in your world because we've never occupied that position of power. You're the people who wrote the history books. You're the people that have co-opted elements of our society that we've already had, and then said that you guys invented it. And it's, you know, this and that. And I think that's something I feel very strongly about is that often I go into women's spaces where the tone is just, oh yes, future CEO. And it's like, well, can we not do a bit better than that? Like, you know, I don't really want to, I don't know, like that's the least thing I would ever want to do. And it's like, we can never look at equality in the sense of like, building a society that isn't based on exploitation in the first place. It always has to come from us occupying a space in the white system, in the male system. Equality can't look like our way. It has to look like the oppressive and capitalist structures that they've made. And it's like, well, I don't really want any of that. It seems a bit like crank behaviors to me, and like I just don't really want a part of it. Um, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it all just feels a bit like, I don't know, and they can only ever celebrate Romani women who've like done everything. like it can never be, you know, someone who hasn't been formally educated on a site, who's managed to do something, you know, who's managed to, I don't know, sort out stuff for their community. It always has to be like, oh. A Romani doctor. Wow. And it's like that is amazing. That is amazing achievement. However, we're all important an act of resistance and a revolutionary in just existing. Like, you know, we've had genocides against us for the past thousand years and we've somehow managed to be the largest ethnic minority in Europe. I would say that's quite a plus. How do we manage that? And it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Wow>. like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's like, you know. <laughs> there are ways to get that done
1: and and like (laughs) nevertheless there's challenges but I think we've got a lot to celebrate and like I would go as far as saying that Romani women were the founders of feminist ideals when we talk about all of those things that you touched upon Lois you know with with dress, family orientated structures Um, so I think we've got a lot (laughs) to
4: celebrate. I need to learn some more about this I
2: think yes (laughs) honestly but that just comes from talking to your elders yourselves don't trust whoever the name you know honorarium engage with your own community like talk to your own like family about what their lives are like because Mm. they try and tell you that romany women are submissive it's like have you ever seen my family like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah. No so, really
4: so <laughs> <laughs> you, God. you should meet my mum. Yeah. <laughs> you have actually. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, but also that we're intersectional. We're not a monolith. We're every community. Romany rights is all rights. There's indigenous Romany women, there's black Romani women, there's, you know, all sorts of different communities. There's queer Romani women mm-hmm. like myself. There's Jewish Romany women like myself. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think people think we can only occupy one box of Gypsy and woman, and that's the lot. That's all you're given. Take it, take out, move along. And it's like, well, in reality, we have actually got more substance to us. I think it's the politics of low expectations. Um, mm. When we're invited to spaces, they expect so little of us when we come in, but they kind of get almost like I've gone into a lot of feminist spaces where people promise the world. They get very excited about seeing us because, like, oh my gosh, the gypsies are here. How bloody really exciting! Like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to handle this and you know but then afterwards you try and chase up an email and it goes into the abyss of time nothing happens nothing changes they just get excited and they kind of want to go Ooh, a gypsy look can i have a photo to post on my socials yes. and then that's it
0: yeah
4: have you guys experienced that as well you the other women
0: in this Space. Absolutely. I mean, I was thinking, Lois, when you were talking, and you know, we have the same last name, so we're probably cousins in some way, I was realising <laughs> as we talking. I um, that. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember being, like my first time, for example, I, you know, I run this feminist critical analysis um, seminar in Dubrovnik, I co-directed it with colleagues um, in Belgrade, and, which we should all go to. We should all, like, do this next oh God, year. I can't believe I tried to
4: explain Audre Lord, and you run feminist <laughs> <and> <laughs> critical now.
0: No, 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 you were brilliant. <laughs> oh Absolutely God. brilliant, Raya. I'm going to go hide under a rock now. <laughs> no, no, but we should all do this, I mean, actually in 2022, okay? So I'm, this is a promise that the five of us will be there. Um, but in the meantime, I, you know, I want to say the first time, and I must have been in my 20s, and... I came and I sort of was looking around and I thought, I mean, so, you know, like I thought Dubrovnik was like the homeland. I was like, Oh, I'm going to see my people everywhere. And here we are. And I started to talk about like, you know, Romani women. And I was like, and, and so, so where is everybody? Like who, who in the room is Romani? And everyone started to laugh mm. and they thought that it was a ridiculous question. And I somehow, and I remember how in, in this, in sort of in the face of that, I wept. I mean, I just started to cry in front of them, and I was like, Mm. really, here too? Like, I thought it was just in the U.S., or I thought, you know, I just didn't, so there was that moment when they just were all looking at me, these lovely, you know, liberal feminists, these, these, you know, who are all like, what are you talking about? Of course there are no Roma in this room. And 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 there's that. And I think and then the other side of it is of course then thinking about presenting and and sort of claiming Romani feminism in public spaces, in feminist spaces that weren't Romani spaces. And and I and in particular again, so the story of me weeping in public, right? It kind of goes through through time. But there was another moment and I was giving a paper, you know, and I was talking about kind of what it meant to be a feminist and I was talking about my mother and I was talking about my children and, you know, these sorts of things. And then, and for us as feminist models, and again, this white feminist like looked at me and she was like, no, 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 you know, all authority, you have to choose one or the other, because we know that Roma are patriarchal and oppressive. And you've, if you're going to claim that community, you know, you're claiming victimhood and and otherwise you know you claim feminism and you deny the remedy. so she was super like buff, buff. and again of course I started to weep but then I thought, you know I was like what are you are you you have no idea so exactly what Lois is saying like do you not know my mother no I guess you don't I, you don't know you know the women in my community like we're the ones who are the models for you hmm and, you know, and that kind of pushing back at patriarchy, you can't do it unless you understand our histories and our context. And I think that's really, I mean, that's what it is. So, so it's always a fraught relationship with International Women's Day, but we are many women, we are feminists, and we do have this long history behind us that has supported us through this. Yeah,
3: definitely. And I think... A shock would be to that woman, Ethel, who told you that, if I would tell her that my grandmother, who is over 97 years old, when I was just a, 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 a student in the university, second or third year of the university, and I was like, oh, studying, studying like crazy for these exams. And she was like, come on, dear, relax. I'm really happy that you are in university and you're, you want to achieve your career. But just go a little bit, meet your friend, look for a uh, boyfriend, have fun. I was like, grandma, what are you talking about? Boyfriend and friends, I don't have time. I have to finish my exams. And she was like, come on, dear, look at me and your grandfather. I didn't have the opportunity to go to the university as you have. And this is great. I just, I just finished Third class and I had to stay at home because my mother passed away and I had to I had to take care of my other siblings, but still I achieved everything yeah. what I wanted. I, I got married, I, I have children, I have great children and great grandchildren who are respected mm-hmm. and I know you have to fight for your respect, but still, you are Roma and I'm proud of all of you. And I was like, my grandmother is telling me all this power. Yeah. So I, I just realized it now so many years ago uh, after that, that indeed, like we, like I find that we have to celebrate how much powerful many women, women are, really. And and just uh, uh, for that um, structure that is work double or three or four times more than any other beginning somewhere because you cannot compare yourself with others mm-hmm. but I, I think if you believe in ourselves and mm-hmm. we can do much more mm-hmm. i we are powerful
4: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> behind I like every I'm only a feminist I was just going to say,
1: behind every powerful Romani woman, there is another Romani woman, another powerful Romani
4: woman, right? Exactly. That's that's what I was going to say. I was, I'm only a feminist because of my mom, like.
1: Me too. Totally. Me too.
4: My mom taught me all my feminism. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
4: and there was never any room for debate really about it either it was like all these things I always reflect on it now with my friends and we're talking about like I don't know being insecure teenagers or all these things that you come up against as a young woman navigating growing up and my mom I'd always come back and be like oh but mom I have to do this or I have to shave my armpits or I have to do and she'd be like no you don't why why (laughs) I'm like but but I must and she was like if you don't want to then don't if you do you know how do you feel? <laughs> like I don't know, she always just she's and she really taught me that kind of empowerment, empowerment, how to be empowered and confident and like mm-hmm. and that definitely comes from her and from her grandmother and like mm-hmm. she also had a very strong female I remember
1: uh, one thing that, really that my mother would, would always say to me was um she'd say I want you to have all of the opportunities that I never had. And this was something that she really did push forward. And, you know, she was a Romani woman who she never drove a car. She never had her own independent money. Um, she, But despite this, she had very feminist ideals. She was the matriarchal of the home. She uh, was the one who made all of the important decisions. And when we... Ethan, when you were talking about um, the the situations that you've been in, it kind of feels like sometimes there's this, this disconnect where people believe the possibilities for feminism within Romani communities can't exist because we're living in a patriarchal community. But isn't the whole world living in a patriarchal society, but yet still there is the possibility Absolutely. for feminism? So, yeah, I mean, I'd really like to come to a close now guys and just thank you all so much for just (laughs) showing up tonight and for us to be able just to have this conversation between the five of us you are now listening to smith's kushti podcast bringing you current news and views from germany and across europe you can now listen to our podcast on soundcloud spotify and google podcasts and i'm really pleased to say that to finish Raya is going to be performing a piece of music. So I'm gonna hand over to you, Raya, if
4: you'd like to. Okay, I can totally do that. So this uh I wanted to play this for International Women's Day, um, because it is a traditional British Romani folk ballad, and um I tried to sing it in, in the traditional a cappella unaccompanied style, which is actually how I started out singing originally. Um encouraged by people at Romani events to to sing and um this is a song by Phoebe Smith who is a Kentish Romani singer who um and I I really wanted to play it by her because she's a Romani woman but um also because just like my nan she spent her summers um picking hops in Kent Um, and yeah so this is my tribute to to them. And all of the other keepers of Romany history and heritage through song.
5: I thought she was an angel bright, come tripping down so low. The same kind, sir, of a country girl. to me she plied and I did and